Stop killing the dead. They're mine. If you don't want the dead coming back to life, why don't you just kill the living? Oh, you want to play psycho killer? Can I be the helpless victim? Okay, let's see. No, please don't kill me, Mr. Ghostface. I want to be in the sequel. I like to dissect girls. Did you know I'm utterly insane? Look at me, Damien! It's all for you! I am the eater of wolves and of children! You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another horrific installment. Of the greatest moments in the history of forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number 39. Cemetery Man, a.k.a. De La Morte, De La More. So the greatest October in the history of forever rolls on, finally. Yeah, well, slowly. I mean, we're running out of time in October. we got a lot to squeeze in these last, whatever, 11 days. Alright, yeah, you're right. So, special announcement... Right now, for our fans <laughs> or listeners, our, you know, listeners, fellow ass clowns, expect a, another episode to drop relatively shortly after this one. Yeah, as famous like a last words, obviously. <laughs> it's as like there a little won't bonus. Another one till yeah. like November twentieth. But <laughs> remember when we were doing that October bit? Yeah, so the plan right now is to do this episode and have another one up shortly, and then one more for October after that. And, I mean, we're putting in a lot of work for these. I mean, for that last episode in particular, the amount that needs to go into it... Well, (laughs) I wouldn't get, like, too concerned with that. Um, Not concern, excitement. (laughs) Yeah, and then uh, might as well warn everyone now that at the conclusion of our little horror fest, we probably will have a little bit of a break. Not that we just didn't really, technically, because this took so long to come out with, but... Yeah, but, you know. (laughs) Well, there's a lot of concern now because some of our listeners' feedback has suggested that the breaks have, like, thrown off some of the listing habits. I've gotten recent confirmation that everyone's all in. (laughs) Even waiting out breaks? Yes, absolutely. They're all in. All right, well, I'm just putting that out there Okay, They can make a mental note. We're going to stay on it. So, as always, you know, follow the show on Twitter, at GreatestPod, which is a pretty good score for us to get that name. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) you've historically nailed down some pretty good handles. If only you could get the following. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that Lisa Turtle Power handle... Yeah, pretty good. Good snag. I don't. I have no idea what the password was for that. <laughs> for um, our failed acoustic pop duo. <laughs> that pretty. That sentence pretty much just summarized the last like you know seven or eight years of my life. <laughs> Fifteen. <laughs> Tell your friends. Keep listening. We 
love hearing from a listener. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's always a big thrill for us. Makes it feel like, I don't want to say worth it, but it makes you feel a little bit better about what you're doing. Yeah. And just to point out, we recently crossed a pretty big milestone. Oh, yeah. Past 2,000 total downloads, <laughs> which, you know, I for think some a lot podcasts of people, is a joke. Yeah, but I think a lot of people would be surprised by that number. They'd be like, that is surprisingly high. <laughs> I mean, I'm surprised by oh, it. Oh, absolutely. Um, so thanks for listening. Thanks for all the support. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, so should we get into the episode? Relax. And then uh, I wanted to do apologize for the delay in getting this one out. It was originally my fault. Enough with the apologies. Then we it was Matt's every fault. Episode. Yeah. Then, you know, Schedules, circumstances, yes, it's hard. whatever. Right. You know, this isn't our full-time gig. <laughs> you know what? Go to the Patreon page, make a donation, <laughs> and we would like to quit our day jobs. Yes. Um, so this should be an exciting episode, and uh, I doubt anyone listening has ever heard this or seen this movie. But you should watch it. This is a good one. Maybe at least like one viewer that I know of, or listener that I know of probably watched this. All right. So anyway, without any further ado, that's not actually. Anyway, uh, this is Cemetery Man. Daddy, what's this? This is uh, my sister Nagi. He's sweet. Will you buy him, Daddy? That's great. It even knows how to cry. Nagi, don't sit so close to her. Could you move over, darling? Could you tell your daughter to move over, please? Oh, yes, of course. Sometimes Nagi gets a little bit excited. Oh, I'm sure he's charming. Now, where was I? Just the same. Precisely. By keeping things the same, we can change more effectively. What is he doing? Dancing? No. No, he's just about to, uh... What the hell are you doing, Valentina? He threw up on me, Claudio. Oh, new fan. Like to go for a ride? I knew you'd understand. Take off! Okay, um, most people probably not super familiar with this one. So... I thought I'd uh, bring up the old Wikipedia All right. give everyone a little paragraph. Yeah. Cemetery Man, uh, a.k.a. De La Morte De La More, is a 1994 Italian-French-German comedy horror film directed by... I didn't realize there were that many countries involved. Michel Suave. Suave. <laughs> I don't know how you would say I speak that. the third most Italian. And starring... Rupert Everett, Francois Hajid Lazaro, and Anna Fauci. It was written by Gianni Romali and based on the 1991 novel by Tiziano Scalvi. Scalvi is also the author of the comic Dylan Dog, which covers similar themes, and whose protagonist is a Rupert Everett lookalike. All right, so, so you know, for more excellent pronunciations of foreign names. You know, tune in. The film story concerns the beleaguered caretaker of a small Italian cemetery who searches for love while defending himself from dead people who keep rising again. Pretty compelling story. 
Rupert Everett of uh, my best friend's wedding fame. Yeah. Um, it's basically a thinking man's zombie movie. <laughs> it's like an existential meditation on life, death, and love <laughs> where the zombies are kind of in an afterthought. Yeah, and I mean, it's kind of a comedy a little bit too. It's poking fun at things. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I've, I, the first time I saw this movie was probably only like four or five years ago at most. And yeah, I only saw it for the first time uh, three years ago, I guess. Was it? What would, when was the first like 31 two year, Days of Horror? Two four? years ago. Okay, not last year, but the year before, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's one of those things where, like, the first time I saw it, I wasn't sure exactly what I was seeing, but I yeah. knew that I was digging it. You know, like, it's kind of first... it's kind of a lot to take on when you first watch it. Yeah, and I think a lot of that has to do with the uh, European style of right. the movie, which is it kind of feels at times like a lot of you know, loosely connected uh, skits or, like, segments. And the flow of it is, like, awkward. And I guess we should also mention that it's, like, an Italian movie slash apparently other countries, too. But uh, the voiceover stuff feels weird and disjointed. No, there is no voiceover stuff. That's You're probably thinking of, like, the... um, Dubbing? Yeah, like, some of the dubbing for, like, the added... When they go back in and re-record, yes, to make it louder, right? Because I mean, it was filmed in in English. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean, though. It just it still feels it doesn't seem to match up naturally, even though it's yeah. Well, there's like a few parts I wouldn't. I don't think it's horrible. It's just like it feel there's a awkwardness to it. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, part of that is probably English not being the first language of a lot of the people right. in it, yeah. other than Rupert Everett. But yeah, a, a lot of the peripheral characters speak like kind of rapidly. Yeah, it's fast, yeah. Yeah. You tend to notice it more with like uh, the police chief, the mayor, the mayor. Nagi. Well, <laughs> Yeah, he only says one word. So... You know, the film opens with Francesco. Francesco, he is played by Rupert Effort. He's in his little uh, shack. Yeah, he is like this ramshackle house on the property of this little cemetery in a um, small town called Buffalora. Sleepy town. <laughs> He basically lives a solitary life except for his little... Assistant. Assistant. Because most uh, caretakers at cemeteries have assistants. Yeah. Um, Well, I think, you know, one of the questions of the movie is, like, how aware are the townspeople of what goes on at this cemetery? Because it seems like there's almost, like, a little bit of an acknowledgement, you know, that... Something is not right. Yeah, the, but they don't part care. Part of his job <laughs> yeah. description is to take care of the living dead that wake up. Yeah, someone's hired him to do this, and it seems like an appointment then by more than just the owner of the cemetery, right? Yeah, and like, I mean the Latin inscription over the cemetery gate reads "Resurrectus," which means for those who will rise again. So I mean, yeah. 
It's written out right, right there. It's right there yeah. out in the open. It's like, I don't know why you'd even waste time with like expensive caskets or anything, though, if you're aware that they're just going to get torn up in a few days. Yeah. Well, most of them don't seem that nice. Yeah, I guess that's true. Uh, Some of them are like glass encased. Francesco, he kind of, he's obviously like this handsome, in shape guy who you would think would be like a big bachelor in this town, but instead he's kind of an outcast and has this bizarre reputation and everyone thinks he's an engineer (laughs) (laughs) and well more importantly they think he's impotent which is like the oddest think i mean i would say it's accepted as fact by everyone (laughs) they just openly like goof on him about it (laughs) yeah and he knows that's what they think and you know it's an odd movie so you're not really like you're never really sure how this got started or why. Right. And so, you know, it's kind of just like a daily grind for him. Like, <laughs> yeah. Wake up, take care Tend of the cemetery. This, yeah. Shoot people at night when they come back to life. Yeah. Dig graves, etc. Hang and out then, with uh, his assistant. Yeah. And then at night, sometimes he talks on the phone to uh, his Franco, his buddy. And he reads this phone book, read the phone book, <laughs> work on this skull puzzle. Yeah. You know, eat disgusting Pretty food. Daunting test. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I was thinking like watching this, like, is there any more relatable uh, two characters from film, like more relatable for us? I feel like you're Francesco and I'm Nagi. <laughs> If Although then I, was like, <laughs> I looked like Rupert Everett in this movie. Although some, like, know, some say, but you know, there's like that part where Francesca, it's like me, you know, just sort of this like bumbling, drooling idiot that like loves the nice weather and stuff. It's like when Francesco walks outside and sunny, he's like, Oh, the weather's turned bad again. That seems to speak to your disposition a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. And I think, um, you know, we'll definitely st- you know, start to focus on, you know, some of the symbolism and that kind of stuff as we go. But it's really uh, exciting for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so everything's kind of just going the way it goes. Uh, a lot of... You just sort of have to accept a lot of things pretty quickly. A lot of narration from Rupert Everett, you know... Saying things like, you know, life goes on. Yeah. Kind of just accepting. Par for the course. Like, his life is not very glamorous. Uh, He kind of has a more negative attitude towards people. Everyone. Everything. Yeah, Um, Yeah, we kind of find him in a dark (laughs) time period in his life. I guess that's what happens when when your primary job is working at a graveyard and everyone in town just laughs at you for being impotent even though you're not <laughs> so everything changes at a funeral when francesco sees a beautiful young widow named uh, she <laughs> played by anna fauci uh, her husband was like a rich elderly man yeah but she was really in love with him you know love yes. to fuck him oh yeah <laughs> which she can't stop talking about 
and it's kind of like a love at first sight thing for uh, Francesco, though. Yeah, and I just the first time I saw this movie, I was just like, "This woman is stunning." I yeah. can't. Not enough can be said. <laughs> I can't wrap my mind around how hot she is. But like online, you'll see like a lot of people continuously. Oh, here we go. Point out. Yeah, here we go. Let's get this battle going again. Yeah, you Roll know what? <laughs> online douchebags. We're taking y'all on again because it goes beyond just Anna Fauci and Cemetery Man. I see right. this a lot with any, any actress, any it models matter. or actresses who have had like plastic surgery. Now let's just get something straight. This movie came out in '93. I think in America, wow, 94. it looks older than that. Well, you know, it's Italian. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no offense to our Italian listeners. Uh, Fauci kind of was considered like the Italian Cindy Crawford of her time. She was like a model. Um, and she I'm going to say it right now. I think she's hotter than Cindy Crawford. In this movie, uh, I mean, she might have I think you're underselling like, how hot Cindy Crawford was back in the day. All right, but, like, but she wasn't as, in his any movies that were as good as this one that's true um so they get points for that but this was like a time period when like blonde uh big breasted woman pamela anderson yeah it was pamela anderson jenny mccarthy that was just like the look that kind of was popular you know starting in the mid to late 80s and lasting until about the year 2000 or so yeah you know, nowadays people kind of like turn up their nose at plastic surgery yeah. and they act like, well, it's so terrible. It's just changed. I mean, um, this this sort of plastic surgery. Oh, <laughs> God, learn how to talk, Matt, you dolt. But it's like this that looks so obvious, but it's like, you know, they just have different versions of plastic surgery now. Yeah. And I'm not going to act like her breasts, you know, look a little are off. normal right. looking i mean they're giant it's not the worst i've ever seen though it's not roadhouse level plastic <laughs> what are you surgery. talking about there's everyone in roadhouse is 100 percent natural <laughs> but i mean aside from the the big fake giant breasts i mean yeah. this is like a, a stunningly beautiful woman yeah okay right. just shocking yeah um <laughs> and she kind of you know Haunts uh, Francesco. He doesn't really know what to do with himself. You know, very yeah, relatable. Just tripping over himself, like <laughs> as soon as he sees her. Yeah, he's like uh, trying to talk to her several times. Of course, she's having none of it. In, well, in all yeah. fairness, it, it is she is at her uh, late husband's gravestone. <laughs> you know, days after burying right. him, and her interest doesn't get peaked until. <laughs> well, Francesco's like, you know, how recently has your husband died and she said something like oh you know we waited two weeks to bury him and he says thank god (laughs) and this kind of callous reaction kind of rubs her the wrong way yeah but the reason reason. he's reacting like that is in his mind it takes seven days for a body to come back to life in this graveyard and if they've passed that point already before they even buried him then they should be good, which obviously mm-hmm. doesn't turn out to be the case because none of the rules really are 
set in stone. No, it's one of those things that's like, as the movie goes on, the rules make less and less sense because people just start coming back at like an alarmingly fast rate. Yeah. I mean, this movie kind of does something that I don't really like in horror movies, which is kind of like set out rules and then break them immediately. But it's kind of irrelevant in this movie because this movie really is not a horror movie. Staying with our theme... Right. <laughs> For the fake yeah. greatest October. The big October. Um, so, you know, she's really, he's busting out the big guns, really just trying to, like, spit his game, trying to just get anything going, and she does not care. But she starts to care whenever he tells her about the lovely, what's the, how did you say the word? Oshuary? Ossuary. Um, Which uh, seems to really get her juices flowing. She loves a good ossuary. Who doesn't? Which it's so scenic. An ossuary is a chess box building well or site made to serve as the final resting place of human skeletal remains. They are frequently used where burial space is scarce. A body is first buried in a temporary grave, then after some years the skeletal remains are removed and placed in an ossuary. Yeah, so, so that's what that is. So they go into this weird <laughs> fucking crypt with a lot of skeletons and hanging like, all over the place. And she... I was like, oh, I love you, Francesco. She basically needs to change her panties. Yeah. Like, she can't Not even. only is she now all in on being in a relationship with Francesco, she's like, let's go consummate this relationship on my late husband's grave. Just honoring the dead. Well, she uses the justification that Oh, yeah. If she's going to have sex with another man, she doesn't want to hide it. Yeah, this sounds like a justification that some of my ex-girlfriends have had. (laughs) (laughs) And it's during their, you know, big sex scene on the grave that her husband returns and bites her on the arm and she seems to die from yeah, this bite. Yeah, kind of slowly, I guess. I don't know. At first... She's fading out. Yeah. She comes down with a sickness. At first, you know, as a viewer, you know, with any experience with zombie movies, you think maybe that the bite itself is fatal. The next day, the doctor, uh, doctor examines her this. and says that she died of fear, like she had a heart oh, attack or something. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so then... <laughs> the, the, uh, the police chief guy is there, too. Is yeah. I guess, is he investigating the death? Yeah, because they're they kind of the the chief of police guy. He kind of exists in a version of this world where the people don't come from, back from the dead. Right. So it's almost as if they need to still explain all these yeah deaths that end up occurring at various points. Uh huh. And he kind of has a little fun jab at Francesco when the doctor is able to determine through his great medical knowledge that she died uh, having sex. And the police chief is like, well, we know it wasn't you, Francesco. You're impotent. <laughs> LOL. <laughs> a beat down at all times for poor Francesco. So this, of course, plunges him into like this depression. And yeah, he waits absolutely. with her body, you know, fearing what he's going to have to do. You know, she's going to wake up and come back as a zombie. And he's going to have to shoot her. Yeah. Which, I mean, how could he bring himself to do this to... This great beauty that he loved so deeply and knew so, <laughs> for um, just such a long time. So he places like this sheet over her body, and then ah, eventually yes. she wakes up, and he can't bring himself to look while he fires the gun. 
thus putting an end to that. Yeah. And then it's at about this time that little Nagi, his assistant, develops a little crush on the mayor's daughter, well, they Valentina. Go, what is there an explanation in the plot as to why they have to go into town that day? Oh, he wants to warn the mayor about this, right? He's yeah, like, it's kind of like a recurring thing where he he feels compelled to maybe try to explain what's happening at the cemetery, but never quite. He can't articulate it or just, yeah, no one really cares. And then he gives up pretty quickly to plays into like a, the dream, like logic at work throughout most of the film where like you can kind of relate to that in a dream sense where, you know, when you're dreaming, you have like, um, you you have an awareness of something, or you are trying to do something that seems like it should be super easy and would take like only a few yeah. words, and yet it never can happen. Right, and yet in the dream, it makes sense why you can't say this or why you know this or whatever, whatever the feeling or thought is. But in reality, it it can't work. Like you're like, well, all you have to do is say like three words to the to this person and yet in this world that francesca's in he can't quite get that going like there's never a moment for him where he can talk to somebody who's receptive to what he's saying so the uh focus is quickly diverted to uh is it valentina yeah valentina the mayor's daughter who nagi has developed a little i guess immediate crush on and Nagi is like a man who appears to be like his late forties, like but he's very child. Yeah, very childlike. Right. He just says nah. Yeah, it's kind of like a Hodor type. It's like a precursor to the Hodor yeah. from Game of Thrones, right? Except I would say more mentally disabled. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so he is like, yeah, I like this Valentina chick, which is weird from the viewer's perspective because she's obviously. She's supposed to be like 14. Yeah. I mean, he looks like he's like 40. Easily in his 40s. Yeah. Uh, And he's like kind of drooling all over himself. It looks very similar to, you know, situations you've seen me in. (laughs) Yeah. I will say that like in retrospect, like, yeah, it's creepy and whatnot. But like you never. (laughs) I know. I think it's supposed to be like an innocent thing. Yeah, it never feels like sexual. Not that I'm making an excuse, obviously, but like, there's a lot of politically incorrect things in this movie right. that wouldn't quite yeah. fly in 2016. And it's weird because like the scene feels very chaotic because Francesco's trying to talk to the mayor, and this is kind of happening off to the side. But then Francesco's like trying to warn Valentina, like, "Look, he's uh, getting a little overexcited here. Like, you better back up." <laughs> I guess uh, Francesco's seen this before. Yeah, and then Valentine is kind of just like, Ha-ha. like has this playful kind of interest in Nagi, like as if he's an animal, right? Yeah, <laughs> can we keep like, him asks, or whatever? Yeah, yeah. She even asks her dad if they can buy him or keep him <laughs> or something, and then Nagi gets overexcited and throws up on her, <laughs> and she falls to the ground. Yeah, and it's at that moment that her, you know, crush. Her boyfriend, right, Jay, something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Claudio rides up on his motorbike. Oh, Claudio. <laughs> He's like, he threw up on me. <laughs> oh, it's such a cool fad or something. <laughs> cool, cool new, new fad. fad. I knew you'd understand. 
and then they ride off right um, in a scene that seems like so insane how quickly it goes to this that they're just like eviscerated by a bus <laughs> yeah so the mayor says oh the youth of today so full of life <laughs> And cut to them in this horrific <laughs> scene where they're run over by a bus full of bo- boy scouts. So graphic, too, even though the effects are obviously terrible. Just like um, heads getting like demolished. So apparently uh, everyone on the bus, including all the boy scouts and the nuns and yeah, whatnot, are killed. Because after the bus runs over these kids on motorcycles, the bus manages to drive off a cliff. This is an unbelievable movie. It's so good. I love it. Yeah. Um, if this is the one movie that you haven't seen and you listen to this podcast and you're like, I'm, I don't care about watching these movies. If there's one time you do it, it should be this one. Unfortunately, it's not the easiest movie to track down. I mean, oh, that's true. Everything's we pretty much copies, out of print. We have two copies. Yeah. For any of our listeners interested in watching cemetery man just uh, uh we're gonna have a screening of it for zach's birthday <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say that somebody could send their address in and we could send them yeah a copy <laughs> zach flicks on dve or dvd um okay so it's kind of a hilarious mass funeral scene with everyone that involved in the accident eventually i'm gonna try to speed through some of this yeah, because it's very it gets very detail oriented here. So eventually, Nagi digs her back up and takes her severed head, which is now yeah. reanimated, and she's into it now. Yeah, I mean, she doesn't go. really have a lot of other options. It's kind of hard to tell, though. Like, what is the relationship between her and Nagi? Because I mean, I don't know. Blowjobs? <laughs> no, I mean, I don't no, know. No, but I mean, even just like she is just she's a zombie now, and she's just a zombie head, and she's like. Yeah, I am really into you. <laughs> and I'm like, what? I don't know where the motivation comes from. Again, here. this is this is played for laughs, and it's funny. Right. And if you take it seriously, it's a little creepy. But again, this is another thing that, um, under the microscope of 2016, would probably be seen as controversial for two reasons. A, she's supposed to be a teenager, a lot younger, despite the fact that now she's a zombie. And also this kind of subjugation or whatever of right. her. Like yeah. now she's basically just a head. That's... A head, like at <laughs> yeah. his mercy. I right. mean, she can't. I mean, it is weird, though, because she can seemingly r- just move along the ground <laughs> by, without any. Yeah. It's like a Gumby type situation. <laughs> it just kind of just slides, slides along the ground. And she also too. flies. Yeah. yeah. So maybe she's she not does, an unwilling participant. I mean, in this. she's different from all the other zombies. I mean, yeah. she's the only one that really seems to. I guess uh, she. All right. Well, spoiler. Okay. She hasn't come back yet. All right. All right. All right. So <laughs> the. Young- spoiler. <laughs> all right. Okay. So the big tragedy in Francesco Della Morte's life comes to a head when she rises again. Which leads him to believe that when he shot her, he was killing her for the first time. That she right. hadn't really died as a result of the bite. Yeah. The, now uh, she's coming back now as a zombie. Making him a true tragic figure in film. And then 
as they're making out and she's yeah. biting him I mean, as it's a like zombie. Animalistic. Before she even starts biting him, I mean the passion <laughs> she's like being displayed between putting these her teeth on his nipple. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, as the viewer, we can all tell. It's like okay, she's clearly a zombie here. Francesco blinded by his love. Yeah, and Nagi runs up from behind and I mean she splits bites, her head with yeah. a shovel. Nagi ending her run as a zombie for good now <laughs> yeah. and. Around this time, um, Francesco just devastated, though. Right. And it's around this time that he kind of encounters death. Yeah. Although, <laughs> but is it before that scene, though, where uh, I guess the order doesn't really matter, but I just wanted to point out the scene where <laughs> he's kind of taking a shower and he's like, you know, there's narration of like his inner thought. And he's like, well, I've been bit now. Like, because he's still, I guess he's kind of like putting it together. Right. He's like. But the only person that knows of him bit is Nagi, and he would never try to kill me or whatever he says. That. Well, he thinks now that he's been bit, he doesn't think he's going to die because now that's clear oh, that that's not the rule. But right. he thinks that when Whenever he does he eventually does die. die, he's been cursed to come back now. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. And then he goes, and well, like, we know Nagi, Nagi. <laughs> doesn't have the stomach to do that to me. And then he walks out of the shower and immediately Nagi takes a swing at his head. <laughs> Thinking that the bite... <laughs> yeah. Has killed him. So then he encounters Death, who basically... Takes the form of, like, some leaves. Some leaves and some trash <laughs> swirl mad. around. He gets mad because Nagi's burned an old copy of the phone book. <laughs> and Death tells him to stop killing the dead. Yeah. Um, Pitches him a new idea. How hey, about why the don't you try killing the living? Yeah. They are the source of he all is, your frustrations. Death is very, like, indignant towards him. Like, what gives? Like, who are you doing this for? <laughs> And finally, now she um, kind of in the weirdest. I guess the movie really starts to turn in a lot of different ways at this point. Yeah, she. It's really hard to follow the real narrative. Reappears in the form of two more women that uh, Francisco uh, encounters. The first is a assistant to the new mayor. Yeah, because the old mayor died at the killing of his daughter's head right <laughs> right <laughs> um yeah in a particularly hilarious scene um the mayor comes to the cemetery hears his daughter who has been dead now for a while talking he goes into nagi's little basement dwelling um confronts her about this weird sexual relationship even though she's now a severed head zombie <laughs> She says, fuck off. Yeah. And he says, over my dead body. And she goes, fine. And she comes (laughs) flying out of the broken TV that she was living in. Right. And rips out his throat. Oh, yeah. And And it's important to know (laughs) when uh, the Boy Scouts that were killed in the accident come back, uh, Nagi's sitting down in the basement just watching TV, eating eating his spaghetti, his uh, two hobbies, watching TV and eating spaghetti. But in the crossfire of Francesco trying to kill some... uh, Zombie Boy Scouts, he ends up shooting out Nagi's TV. Just completely devastating for Nagi. Right. And that, you know, will serve as a future house for right. Valentina's head. Yes. Um, so it all So now out. that there's a new mayor, he has an assistant, it's Anna Fauci. She kind of, they kind of have this weird thing where obviously 
Francesco recognizes her, and she kind of feels like this fam- instant familiarity with him, as right. if they've already known each other. Now, granted, the original woman's love affair with uh, Francesco lasted all of one <laughs> night, seconds, yeah. but like you know, they kind of act like you know they're these old long lost lovers. Um, right. We she kind of reveals pretty early on that she's terrified of uh sexual penetration you know more specifically boners right <laughs> now and uh delamorte she's heard the rumors about him right or not um uh, possibly i can't i can't really remember um but he kind of goes with that rumor and yeah he's like well it's great i can't get even a though, like it seems like they kiss very passionately yeah. at one point and i'd be like well yeah. the gig like, the jig is up <laughs> she's like well what's that poking me but he's so overcome now with this like second chance at his great love that he goes and sees uh, a doctor to have his penis removed. <laughs> <laughs> so Extreme. I mean, this is this is like uh, you know kind of a strange detour in what people thought uh, was a zombie movie. Big talking point on the movie right here. This scene. <laughs> For, I have a couple questions. Uh, is there a chick that's hot enough if she asked you to do that? <laughs> Yes. Alexandra Daddario asked you to cut your dick off. You're doing it. Well, I mean, is she going to be with me? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> I don't really know, you know, yeah. what I would get out of it, but I mean, I guess I would just go with it. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying that's the thing. I mean, I guess you'd be like, she's asking me, so I guess I should do it. Now, the other big thing here is, uh, as we find out, well, the, first of all, the doctor can't bring himself to do it. Yeah, the doctor... is just like, dude, come on. Uh, says, yo, I ain't gonna cut this off. That'd yeah. be super gross right. and horrible. So yeah. and you'll bleed out. Here, I have this ridiculous injection I'm gonna give you yeah. that will give you Some... temporary <laughs> impotence. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just whatever now, as he's recovering because from this there's horrifying... there's a lot of, you know... Uh, chemical engineers out there that are coming up with this and selling it to drug companies. It's like a, it's in a giant. A lot of wives that are just sick of having sex with their husbands, <laughs> injecting them. It's in like a giant, uh, like syringe yeah, that he's over to the shoot top directly into his cock. Right. Um, into the urethra. I don't know. I you mean, don't can you imagine? <laughs> Good lord. So all, while all this is going on, and while he's really, you know, going the extra mile for this woman that he's just met, who <laughs> happens to look exactly like another woman that he had yes. just met, she uh, is raped by her employer, the new mayor, and then, in a strange twist of fate, falls in love with her rapist. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's she going over well in 2016. No afraid of boners, and she's, you know, not really interested in. Uh, Francesco anymore. A couple of things about this scene. Uh, first thing being, just don't ever like make compromises. Don't do things that humiliate yourselves in relationships. It's just one day they're going to turn on you, and it's just like, was it really worth it? Now you don't have a dick. <laughs> <laughs> Talk. Uh, point number two, it's like... Good. Well, the message here is kind of... Don't act too up. quickly. <laughs> because <laughs> well, it's basically yeah. like if you... If you are, you know, interested in a woman who's does is who likes you but doesn't want to have sex with you, just rape her and then she'll like you. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. basically what All right. it's saying. Yeah. Okay. So the message from the movie are a little misguided. But Take matters into your own hands. I will say this. Uh, 
very similar conversation to ones I've had in my life, especially the part when she's like, well, yeah, I talked to him. He said, it's cool if we're still friends. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. yeah That's brutal. It's like, oh, all right. So her dismissal of him kind of pushes him further over the edge. And now he's going to take death's advice and just, yeah, you know, really go to town. Although so, it's unclear how knowingly he's doing that because it seems like he thinks it's a dream at po- at one point, right? When the well, yeah, he, he's kind of like unsure of his own actions later, yeah. but we see him doing it. Well, so. I know this movie kind of has like a like walls closing in on it feeling, you know, yeah. like it, like things just keep kind of getting heightened. It's kind of like American Psycho, you know. Yeah, it's not unlike you know some of the parts just of talking that. Talking to the uh, police chief at the end, he's just like, "I just had to kill a lot of people." <laughs> so he heads into town. Uh, with a gun and starts shooting all of the people that had been like kind of making fun of his <laughs> yeah. impotence uh, for years. Um, around this time period, he g- stops in a bar and he runs into yet another manifestation of this woman that he loves. <laughs> wow, uh, Anna Fauci. See, the second one though turned into you know this rape loving bitch that broke up with him but she does not die though she just kind of disappears from the narrative and now he's meeting yet another version of this woman um they go and have a wild fuck sesh and he ends up killing her and her two roommates uh by setting Uh, their house on fire feeling betrayed when he finds out that she is actually a prostitute yeah which he seems to take that pretty personally um yeah it's it's odd. It always struck me as kind of a rash decision because <laughs> yeah. uh, because of this movie, you know, setting up the first time that he kills her in the situation where he believes that she's coming back as a zombie, yet she hadn't actually been killed yet, so she he's killing her for the first time. Yes. This struck me as like, well, maybe the things that she's saying to him in these passionate moments are real because she never reveals herself as a prostitute. It's one of the roommates... When he goes down to try to get something to drink, right. she says, oh, <laughs> Just you can pay me <laughs> or her or whatever. Right. And he's like, what the fuck are you talking yeah. about? Um, and he was getting like the full girlfriend experience. I mean, this was oh, not going to be cheap. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was typically, like passionate making you know, you're, out. Yeah. You're, there's not a lot of kissing right. involved with these yeah. kind of situations. There was situations. like uh, <laughs> some spooning going on afterwards. He seemingly was going to stay the night with her. Yeah, and this other woman actually does pretty much make that same... It's not a joke when she says it. She's basically, oh, she said that she loves you. That's another hundred or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, So we've uh, come to find out that Francesco is uh, very quick to react to things. His friend Franco, who... uh, He calls several times throughout the movie. Yeah, is that the guy he goes and sees at that office? I believe that's where... uh, The office? What about the, the hospital? That part where he goes and tries to get a form, remember? And he picks up oh, his paycheck. that's right. I do think that. Because I think Franco's supposed to be like some clerk for the city or something. Right. Yeah. He ends up getting arrested for these murders uh, after oh, yeah. killing his own wife and child. Right. And he attempts suicide the same night by drinking a bottle of iodine. Oy. So Delamorte is like, well... <laughs> Why is Franco getting credit for these murders that I committed? Yeah. So he goes to confront him about this, and he starts, like, casually just murdering nurses and doctors. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then Franco doesn't even recognize him. Oh, yeah. 
but it's hard to really figure out what that's supposed to mean. But again, it's it's all very heightened. It's kind of like in a state of like uh, panic at this point. Yeah, the hospital sequence seems like it almost comes from like a completely different movie. It's right. so strange. Yeah, uh, a bunch of people running around. After Francesco's killed people, he kind of is just casually walking out of the hospital. The uh, police chief sees him again and is like, oh, good, you've got a gun. There's a killer on the loose. <laughs> yeah, it's like this bizarre world where nobody can accept that right. he would be the one murdering anybody. Yeah. Um, Even though he's been under investigation several times throughout the movie. So at this point, he doesn't know what to do. So he's like, fuck it, we're leaving. Yeah. I've never seen anywhere else in the world. We right. got to get out of here. So him and Nagi. Nagi's like, well, what else do I got to do? They pack up the car and <laughs> with hit the what? road. I mean, they put like a coffin in there. Yeah, there's this weird coffin on top of the car. I mean, um, they drive, they go through a tunnel, they come to the edge of this road, and it drops off into a cliff. Um, Pretty steep cliff. So it's kind of like, oh, the rest of the world doesn't even exist. Yeah. Uh, Nagi hits his head whenever they slam on the brakes. and Which it feels like at that point that Nagi's going to die. There's some, Yeah. I felt that way, because it's just like, there's, there's something weird with impaling people's heads you know obviously the zombies and stuff but it just felt like the way his head gets sort of like busted open it felt like it followed the narrative and that that like nagi was gonna die here yeah um there's a lot like everything you know at a certain point starts to come under question um and a lot especially about the ending is up for like interpretation because nagi doesn't die wakes up and asks to be taken home speaking his first actual lines of the movie yes rather than saying nah and now francesco can't just responds and right. says nah so it's almost as they've switched yes. roles and obviously you know there's a lot of like speculation online that you kind of pointed me towards yeah. about like <laughs> that francesco and uh nagi are like two sides of the same guy's personality who may yeah. or may not be Franco. Right. <laughs> who may have murdered his wife and child and then gone into this coma. And, and this is all like a fevered And like dream. his uh, subconscious has been more dominated by the dark side, Francesco, until the end where he's reached some level of acceptance and uh, the good side, Nagi, has become the more dominant. Now, why is Nagi the good side I don't since know. he's a pedophile yeah. creep? <laughs> Because he likes the sunny weather, <laughs> I guess the innocence to him. Yeah, there's a lot to there's a lot of valid stuff in some of those theories. You can definitely um, make the assumption that Francesco and Nagi are two like sides of a coin or something. Yeah, but there's also a lot of holes in that. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's hard to really. I I feel like it would be very difficult to have any like theory. Like to prove any theory that you had about the what this movie means and have everything make sense to it. But it's a fun ride. Absolutely. Some fun sex. Um, some interesting things to can think about. Yeah. You know, I would highly recommend it. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> it's a strange, bizarre journey. A lot of interesting thoughts. Um, oh, pretty cool soundtrack too, I would say. Yeah, the score is cool. So check it out. Yeah. Um, I think we can wrap think, it up. Yeah. So a shorter nice episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've really like been going on 
like just too long. This was a nice tight episode. We got two more left for October. Yeah, one which will be coming pretty soon, like I said. And I mean, the other one really only shortly thereafter, too. Yeah. So hopefully we can get that last one out on Halloween. Thanks for checking in. Uh, We've really enjoyed this greatest October in the history of forever. And uh, (laughs) well, it's still going. Oh, all right. So uh, we'll see you next time. Peace. Peace.